Good morning, Stafford County Christian Church. Uh, I know that uh, there was a lot of problems with our recording and, and we lost Wi-Fi a couple of times on Sunday morning. So uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, you were still able to uh, receive the message. Uh, it will be posted later on the website as well. Um, to, to go over the announcements that we went over on Sunday, just a real quick thing. Um, we do have our fall kickoff that is coming up this Sunday morning. So if you haven't yet uh, let us know about your orders that you would like starting at 8.30. We're going to have uh, hot coffee, iced coffee, cinnamon rolls, uh, different uh, pastries. So uh, we encourage you to just email me or you can put it in the comments right here. We'll make sure that we get your orders. Uh, that's starting at 8.30. Uh, service will still start as normal at 9.15, but we encourage you to come early, hang out, really just uh, enjoy that time of fellowship as we, we kick off. That'll be our kickoff for our life groups. Uh, we're going to have videos playing of all of the different ones uh, this week and next week. Um, so I encourage you to make sure that you're, you're checking Facebook and, and we'll make sure that we get all of those out to you um, as well. Uh, also, we are planning a, a trunken treat. Uh, this year, we're combining with our MOPS group that's meeting here at the church. And so we're going to do that here on October the 24th from 5 to 7 p.m. We need you um, to uh, sign up to bring a car. Uh, if you're willing to decorate your trunk and to put your car out here, that would be great. Uh, we will be taking candy donations starting this week. So uh, encourage you over the next several weeks to bring in candy that we can put um, in those bags uh, to where we can sanitize it. And we're going to keep all of the social distancing rules, all of that in place. But we still want our kids to have uh, this trunk and treat. Also, um, we, you guys have done awesome for the Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we have given out uh, about 125 of the boxes you've taken. So we only have about 25 boxes left. And uh, we really want you to take those and to fill those up. Uh, you can pick those up here at the church. Uh, if you're coming Sunday morning or uh, you can stop in during the week, let us know. And, and we would love to be able to... Uh, uh, help you out uh, in getting that so you can be a part of that. Uh, there's all kinds of other uh, announcements and, and we'll keep those up to date on Facebook and, and through email. Um, but we are starting uh, or finishing up our series uh, today on just looking at the Old Testament and how it applies to our lives. And that's what I really want us to focus in today. How many of you have ever went out to start your car, and the moment that you went out to start your car, you hit the key, and you got to click, 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 click. Now, on Sunday, I was able to share what had happened to me previously. This actually happened to two of my vehicles yesterday morning. I went out. I got inside of my vehicle. Click, 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 click. Nothing. Dead. And uh, I wasn't for sure exactly what it was, but um, I, I went over to Maddie's Jeep. I got in it and turned it, and, and there was nothing. It was completely dead, so I knew that that was definitely uh, going to be the battery in that. Thankfully, Melody hadn't went anywhere, so I was able to get the car out. I, I got the car, I put it onto the truck, and uh, I was able to jump it to get it going, um, headed off to uh, work out. Uh, I, I, it started right up after working out, came to the church, sat all day, and uh, lo and behold, I went out at the end of the day to get back into it, and nothing again. Thankfully, Stephen was uh, coming by to pick up his basket uh, for, for his new baby, and uh, he was able to jump me, and, and he got a kick out of that, a Chevy having to start a Ford, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, we know how that all goes. 
sometimes, and, and thankfully I was able to get it started and went, and uh, it was the battery. And sometimes it is our battery, but other times we get that click, 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 click. The battery's fine. The alternator's fine. But it's this other part called the starter. Now, the, the starter is, is very important because if we want our engine to be able to turn over, it must be cranked. And, and so that starter cranks over the engine. It, it, it brings in, it sucks in the air into the cylinders. The mixture of fuel and air then is compressed in the combustion chambers. And all of a sudden, the engine is able to fire. But you could have the right amount of gas. You could have the right amount of air coming in. You could have the battery charged. All of that working. But if one vital part is not working, called the starter, the engine isn't going to crank and it's not going to be able to turn over. So the question we're addressing today, how does the Old Testament apply to me? I want to suggest that the, without the Old Testament, Christianity would have never started. And without God's revelation reviving you, there won't be spiritual combustion in your life. Augustine said this. He said, the New Testament is the, in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. You see, our question today is, is very important. Because there's some Christians and even some Christian leaders and, and then many non-Christians who have unhitched themselves from the Old Testament. They'll say, well, you don't need that anymore. So I have a series of questions that I want us to ask today, and then we're going to answer them. The first question is, why does the Old Testament matter? Why does the Old Testament matter? A very popular Christian leader, author, recently in the last year made an unsettling appeal to church leaders. He said, why would you consider unhitching your teaching of what it means to follow Jesus from all things Old Covenant? He believes that it is necessary because when it comes to stumbling blocks to faith, the Old Testament is right up there at the top of the list. He believes when people struggle to believe, it is the Old Testament. That is usually the culprit. Now, I want to tell you that I strongly disagree with what this Christian leader says. So let's consider why we must have a robust view of the Old Testament. The first thing that I see is that the, excuse me, the Old Testament is an integral part of the inspired, inerrant, and authoritative Word of God. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is the New Living Translation. He says, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and, what, uh, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to, to do, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. By the way, when, when we look at our Bible, about three quarters of the Bible is found in the Old Testament. It is the inspired and errant part of God, and we need to make sure it is the word of God. We need to make sure that we are holding on to that. The second reason is the Old Testament reveals the attributes and actions of God. We go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 24, and we reread re there. 
Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. We see a glimpse of God's glory and his greatness when we study the Old Testament. Number three, the entire Old Testament, it points forward to Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 says, And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, knowing the Old Testament enables us to see how hundreds of prophecies were made true through Jesus Christ. Precise, 100% accuracy through Jesus Christ. Number four, the Old Testament was the Bible Jesus read. It was the Bible that Jesus studied, and it was what Jesus memorized. Jesus had a very high value and view of scriptures, and he expects his followers to know the scriptures as well. When Jesus was tempted, he could have said, well, my dad said, yet he he sets the example for us in, in all three of the temptations. And I want to read the first one. This is what he says. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Number five, the Old Testament provides vivid examples of faithfulness and failures. I love this. Of real people. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 says, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. And then in verse 13, it gives us examples and to help us in times of temptation. Again, I want to encourage you to, to go to Hebrews. You can go to Hebrews chapter 11. You can read the whole thing of, of Hebrews, but specifically Hebrews chapter 11. And when you read Hebrews chapter 11, we're told of the, the hall of faith. And we're given all of these men and women that, that just did amazing things. But what we must realize is that every single one of them were sinners just like you and me. We have great examples of faithfulness that we can live up to when we read the Old Testament. Number six, the Old Testament gives us hope when we go through trials. I want you to listen to what Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have, I love this, we might have hope. When we read the Old Testament, we are given hope. Why would we ever want to unhitch from something that would give us hope. I mean, we go all the way back. We talked about this last week. We go to Genesis chapter 3. We read about the fall of man, but as we read through the fall of man and we're like, oh no, it's all over. Perfection has ended, but <clears throat> in that moment, God already made a plan. God made a plan all the way back at the very beginning to send his son, Jesus. Now, was it going to be thousands of years later, but yet he had a plan at the very beginning to bring us hope. And number seven, the Old Testament challenges us to be concerned about matters of justice. We're called 
to care for the little, the poor, the least, the lost. We have been called to have justice and to see grace brought through to everyone. We must stand up for those who need us to be by their side. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, without the Old Testament, you will lack a major part of God's revelation that he gave for teaching about himself, about man, about sin, and about salvation. Here's a real quick summary for you to try to understand all of the Bible. We start in the Old Testament. That's anticipation. The Old Testament is all about anticipation for the coming of Christ. And then we come to the New Testament and those first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, those are the manifestation. Those tell us about Jesus. So we have the anticipation all about the coming of the Messiah, all about the coming of Jesus, and then the Gospels reveal Jesus to us. Then we have Acts, that is the proclamation. Jesus has been, uh, he, he has been put to death. He is laid in the tomb, but he resurrects, and then he is taken off into heaven. And we have the proclamation, the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. We have the epistles. From Romans all the way uh, to Revelation, these are all writings of, of the, to the first church to help us every single way. That's the explanation. And then we come to Revelation. That's the consummation. That's when we get to go home. That's all of what Revelation, and listen, I know a lot of you struggle with Revelation, and you try to understand it, and there's all these different views on Revelation. Here's what I want you, you can read the very beginning of, of the book of Revelation, but I want you to go to the very end, because I love, I love what we read at the very end of Revelation. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. There's nothing greater. That is the consummation of when we get to go home. So now let's move on to the second question. This is a question that I know that a lot of people really struggle with. What Old Testament laws are to be followed today? Many non-Christians like to say, well, you Christians, you, you pick and choose. There, there's parts of the Old Testament that you like, and then there's other things that you really don't like, so um, you're just going to ignore those parts. Well, J.D. Greer summarizes this. Uh, in a blog that he wrote, he says this, when the Bible talks about certain sexual behaviors as sin, you quote that. But when it says not to eat shellfish or that you should execute people for breaking the Sabbath, you ignore it. Are you just picking and choosing what suits you best? How many of you have ever had people say that to you? I know I have. People want to say, well, you just want to pick and choose what laws you want to keep and what laws you don't want to keep because it, it, what, it, it's what suits you best. Well, let's break this down. Since this is such a common question, we need to go back to the whole reason that we have the Old Testament. A couple of key interpretive principles here. God selected the nation of Israel as his 
chosen people, that they were his select group of people that he was going to bring about the coming of the Messiah. They were therefore called to be holy, to be separate, to be distinct from all of the other nations that were around them. The covenant God made through Moses was like a treaty with the Jewish people. There are three types of Old Testament laws, and, and I want to break those down for you. There's the civil, there's the ceremonial, and there's the moral. So let's first start with the civil laws. These laws are what governed Israel, giving a breakdown of, of behaviors and the punishments for breaking those laws. Then there were the ceremonial laws. Now these laws were at the heart of worship in uh, the Old Testament. They stated what was clean and what was unclean. Um, that They gave the regulations for religious festivals and, and, and feasts dealing with sacrifices and ceremonies. They contain regulations for circumcision. If you don't know what that is, go no, don't Google it. It's just ask someone that might know it. How to dress, how to maintain ritual purity, and guidelines for priests. And then we come to the third type, and those are the moral laws. Now, these laws declare what God saw as right and wrong, most clearly set forth in the Ten Commandments. Now, these laws represent righteous and eternal standards dealing with ethics and sexual conduct, which are to govern our relationships with God and others. Greer goes on in his blog, uh, and he offers this insight on moral laws. He says, these reflect God's character. And since his character doesn't change, his views on morality don't either. In fact, whenever Jesus mentioned the moral laws, he either reaffirmed them or he intensified them. To follow Jesus is to love what he loved, including the moral law. So as we look at these three types of, of laws in the Old Testament, the civil and the ceremonial laws, they are no longer in effect because all of these regulations pointed ahead to the coming of Jesus. And they have been fulfilled in Jesus. In Mark chapter 7, verse 19, we read, Thus he declared all foods clean. This is also fleshed out in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Again, to discover more about how Jesus is the fulfillment of that Old Testament law and how we moved past that, I encourage you to go to Hebrews and, and read through the whole book of Hebrews. If you want to learn about how faith trumps the law, I want you to read the book of Galatians. Because as Paul writes to the church in Galatia, uh, there was a real problem in the church of Galatia because Paul had went to Galatia and he went into the city and he, he proclaimed Christ crucified. And all of the people, that they accepted Jesus as crucified and as their Savior. But then these Jewish Christians, they came in. And when the Jewish Christians came in, what happened was they said, Okay, it's great that you accepted Jesus, but 
you also need to follow the Sabbath and you need to follow all of these other laws and you need to be circumcised and you need to do all of this stuff. And Paul looks at them and says, or he writes to them and he says, you're following a gospel that's not even a gospel at all. Jesus Christ crucified. That's the gospel message. I want you to listen to what we read in Galatians chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Ouch. Church, be careful. Be careful that we don't get so set in our ways that we think that certain things have to be done inside the church because it's just the way that it's always been. You know, the Jewish people, they had 613 laws and they kept wanting to add to it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they had those 613 laws and they wanted to add more and more and more to it. And the problem was they couldn't keep the 613 and we do a lot of that in the church as well. We have Jesus and we have his crucifixion and, and what he did for us and his resurrection. And he saves us by his grace. But we say we have to dress a certain way in order to come to church. Well, it has to look like this inside. And we have all of these that we have to read a certain version of the Bible for it to be Christian. Be careful that we don't put laws where they don't belong. Jesus is that final sacrifice for us, and we need to live up to his standards. We go to John chapter 2, verse 21, and Jesus spoke of his body as the true temple. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said these stunning words. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In John 19.30, this is a scripture that we read every year at Easter. Jesus triumphantly called out, It is finished. The price has been completely and fully paid. The work of redemption has been fully finished. Immediately, when Jesus said those final words, the veil, the curtain that separated God, the Holy of Holies, from everyone else was torn from top to bottom. What Jesus did was he gave us unfettered, unlimited access directly to God the Father. He paid that price, that sacrifice for us. We no longer need to make sacrifices on our own. We don't have to be pardoned by a priest, by a pastor, by an elder. You can come directly before the throne of Jesus Christ. You have unfettered access to him. So what is the application of the law? As you read and seek to apply the Old Testament, I want you to remember the commands, they're not like rungs on a ladder. Again, there were 613 laws written in the Old Testament. There were 10 
of those moral laws and the Ten Commandments. And we think, well, if we just, we keep each one. The rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus, the rich young man, he comes to Jesus and and Jesus says, well, I want you to keep these commands. And the young man says, yeah, I've done that. So, you know, I, I, I want salvation. And he says, okay, I want you to take what is really holding you back, your money. I want you to give it all away. He went away sad because there was one thing that was keeping him away from Jesus. We need to be very careful. Jesus summed up all of the commandments, all 613 commandments, all 10 commandments. He summed them up in two. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Let me say it like this. Freedom from the Old Testament law is not license for a Christian to relax their moral standards. In fact, again, Jesus doesn't just say, well, I fulfilled the Old Testament law so you can just go do whatever you want. Jesus actually calls us to have a higher and a greater self-discipline related to sexuality. When he preaches the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28, this is what Jesus said. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his mind. Jesus was lifting it up. Jesus was, was saying there's a higher standard here. The next time someone accuses you of arbitrarily picking and choosing from the Old Testament. Be able to share with them the difference in the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral laws. You aren't being fickle. You're being faithful. In summary, go ahead and eat shrimp. Go ahead and, and have those barbecued ribs, that big old pork chop, that, that medium rare steak. Don't. Don't overcook it, please. Eat it like it's supposed to be cooked. I'm teasing. But be also careful that you don't create someone or cause someone to sin. If you have a, a Jewish brother or sister, if you have someone who is still holding to some of these dietary laws, don't sit down in front of them and go, oh, look at me, I can eat this big old juicy pork chop. Because in doing so, if you cause them to sin, you are sinning yourself. So be extremely careful with that. Don't be that stumbling block. The Ten Commandments are important and should be followed. However, no matter how hard you try to keep them, you will inevitably fall short. The more you try not to covet, the stronger the desire will be to want more. The more you try not to lie, the more you're going to find yourself exaggerating. I read about um, a, a gentleman who um, had had a, a new refrigerator delivered to his house. And, and so he took his old refrigerator that was still working decently okay, but his wife wanted a new one. So he took that refrigerator, he put it out by the side of the road, and he put free to good home. 
It sat there for two or three days. No one touched it. So we made another sign and he put on it and it said, $50, come knock on our door. It was stolen that night. You see, we have to be very careful because we can all be tempted in one way or another. There's something within us that seeks to do what we're not supposed to do, isn't there? One of the purposes of God's command is to show us that we fall short of his standards, that we miss the mark of perfection. And even if we keep some of the law, some of the time, or even if we keep most of the law, most of the time, we still fall short. God turns up the heat. We go to James chapter 2, verse 10. We read, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. No one can say that they've kept all of God's commands every day of their lives. If you do, you're already breaking the ninth commandment of lying. So since the Ten Commandments are important and at the same time impossible to keep, what are we called to do? What we're called to put our faith in what the Old Testament pointed to. It pointed us to Jesus. He is the one who was perfect in every way. He kept the law 100% of the time. He didn't break its commands. And he was able to go to the cross in perfection and to die for our sins. Before I end today, I would be doing a huge disservice if I just left you trying to be good. So if you're listening to this message and, and you've never experienced the love of Jesus Christ, you can accept him today. You can message me. You can call me. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith into Jesus Christ, the one who fulfilled all of the Old Testament, who loves you so much that he gave up his life for you. So what do we do? Do we need a new starter in our life? Maybe it's not just a new starter. Maybe the starter is working perfectly fine, but it is the battery that's dead. And so you've been drained. And you just need to be recharged or you need to have a, a, a new part put into your life to get you back where you're supposed to go again. This is what I need you to do. You need to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ. I, I need you to believe that Jesus died in your place to justify you. You can never justify yourself, but he can. He wants to redeem you. He wants to forgive you. And then I want you to confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. To repent of your sin. Big word, big church word. What's it mean, Travis? To turn and go the other way. Go towards Jesus and run to him. And never look back. That's what you can do today. And if you need that new part put in your life, you need to get back onto the path. Again, you don't have to come to me. You don't have to talk to one of the staff or one of the elders. You have access directly to Jesus. But if you need someone to talk to, to pray with you, to 
we would gladly be here for you to help you any way that we can. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you so very much for today and for the ability to be able uh, to hear your word, to know how the Old Testament applies into our life. Father, we try to be good. We try to live for you. But we know that we are going to fall short and we're going to fail. And so, Father, I just ask that you help us to always remember to rely upon you. You are the one that the Old Testament points to. Your son is what it points to. And Father, if we have never accepted you as our Lord and Savior, that today will be that day. If there's somebody listening right now that, that needs prayer in their life, if they need someone to, to just talk to, to know that they can reach out to us, that we will be here to help them any way that we possibly can. We pray all of this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.